When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi there, uh, this is Akash Kumar. I'm an assistant professor of Italian studies at UC Berkeley. And I'm delighted to have with me today Andrea Celli, who's associate professor uh, at the University of Connecticut. And we're here to talk about uh, his book, which came out last year in 2022, Dante and the Mediterranean Comedy, From Muslim Spain to Postcolonial Italy. Uh, Andrea, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to talk to you and yeah to your audience. Great, thank you. Uh, so I I thought we might start actually just by thinking a little bit about uh, the the topic of the book uh, as well as your own scholarship. Uh, you're someone who's long been interested in Dante and Islam. Uh, and in particular, the work of the Orientalist Enrico Cerulli, uh, who went from serving as an Italian colonial administrator to writing about Dante's Islamic visionary sources. Uh, what do you think such attention to a figure uh, like Cerulli allows for in thinking about Dante and the Mediterranean? And how does this book build from your earlier work? But, uh, thank you for this question. So I, I will I will start from the, the end of your uh, question. So it's... Uh, where where the book uh, was born on, on what kind of uh, scholarship uh, I relied the previous experiences and in fact this is a sort of continuation of uh, uh, researches that began in in the early uh, two it was two thousand five I think I published a book that was about uh, the um, uh, school of Arabic studies in Spain. And uh, how in the early 20th century, late uh, 19th century, um, an idea of Middle Ages uh, was, uh, you know, came out uh, of the scholarship of these Arabists like uh, uh, Jose Rivera Tarragó, uh, Asim Palacios, Garcia Gomez, and many others. And... Um, there was uh, my interest in how um, Orientalism um, and Medievalism uh, was part of, uh, if you want, nation building, Spanish nation building, um, and uh, how um, so scholars, you know, a little bit by reading Edward Said, the classical Orientalism, how scholarship was intertwined with uh, you know, late colonialism, and uh, but also a strange dynamic that was going on there of uh, uh, dialectic dialectics between Spanish scholars and uh, European scholars on uh, what was uh, who was part of the Middle Ages, what were the ingredients, cultural ingredients, were Muslims, uh, Jews, uh, parts of the European Middle Ages all that uh, uh, um, dialogue, sometimes very conflictual, was very interesting to me. 
And so from there, I think uh, uh, there was more generally my interest in, in uh, the fascination, if you want, for, for Islam as a scholar of that time, as uh, Maxime Rodinson would, would, uh, would call it. So why uh, this fascination of uh, European scholars in the 20th century uh, for Islam? And... Um, and uh, and then a, almost a decade later, I remember uh, uh, the, the, there are also kind of a autobiographical uh, reflection here. My my interest in my family roots, Italian colonialism, and so I, I came across by reading Carla Mallet at the time. I remember uh, I, I came across her approach to to Enrico Cerulli. Um, which for her is is a, a kind of very a positive figure of scholarship because it, it opens up to, you know, uh, it opens up the interpretation of a major author of the Italian canon that is Dante to uh, these sources coming from. Uh, Muslim Spain from uh, Islam, uh, the, the 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 book of the letter, Kitab al Miraj, and so on and so forth. Uh, and so uh, there was in me a, a great fascination and interest for that kind of work that was going on in, especially in in, in America at the time. I was in Italy, where all these kind of issues were not very interesting in uh, in the academia where there was not uh, attention for those so I, I, but at the same time i have to admit that, that, that there was also some insatisfaction with the with the way uh, the uh, i i thought there was more to say possibly on enrico cerulli and other scholars and uh, uh, regarding their approach to dante their approach to uh, the mediterranean studies um, they, they are a figure like Enrico Cerulli, uh, who, as you said, was a, uh, a, a, a high figure of um, colonial administration, Italian colonial administration in, in, in East Africa, uh, in Ethiopia, in, with uh, very um, problematic uh, uh, responsibilities in how... Uh, Italian colonialism uh, developed in in those in those countries, those lands. Uh, so uh, I, I I felt that that there was room for working uh, on Cerulli and his interest for Dante and Islam, which was a kind of uh, a trope of. Uh, literary scholarship uh, of the last century, um, uh, starting from Asim Palacios and his book of, you know, Dante and Islam. And um, so why at some point of his career, this scholar, that was mainly a scholar of uh, uh, Somalia, uh, of uh, Ethiopia and Islam, why... Uh, and at some point of his life, he decided to turn to Dante, and so that that is uh, uh, the beginning of my interest in in, in him. And I wanted to uh, kind of uh, uh, 
linger and, and kind of uh, pay attention to, to the uh, problematic uh, aspect of this uh, interest of Cerulli for Dante. No, that's really, that's interesting. And I'm, you know, I'm particularly interested in what you said about, uh, so some of this is, is not as interesting in an Italian context as it is in an American one. Uh, and yet you're also someone who is, who is, has a foot in both camps. And so I wonder if you would, if you would think a little bit about your, uh, your position, your placement uh, as as a, an Italian scholar who who nonetheless is also uh, taking something from the Anglo-American context and elaborating on it. Yes, uh, um, I have to say that I, I remember when I started uh, being interested in uh, you know the history of scholarship. Basically, um, I felt in Italy at the time uh, very isolated uh, because. Uh, you know, scholarship in the Romance languages, uh, as well as in, you know, uh, um, uh, Islamic studies, was not particularly interested at the time in uh, uh, history of their uh, disciplines, of their fields, in Italy at least. So it was liberating for me realize, to realize, uh, you know, around two, 2000, 2010, that, well, in other parts of the planet, uh, this was uh, a major source of interest or research. And uh, so uh, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, inspiring to discover that, that this could be considered part of uh, uh, doing research. Um, uh, at the same time, uh, I felt that uh, uh, Italian scholarship, uh, as we will see, uh, in, has a keen interest in uh, details, uh, and that could be a very powerful tool to to bring to uh, the table of research. Uh, so in interest, uh, uh, as we will see for microhistory or an interest for, yeah, document documentation and uh, uh, following the threads. Uh, so that this is probably, uh, I'm not sure I'm doing this uh, well, but I, I find inspiration in, in both uh, schools. Uh, nowadays, I think Italy is uh, catching up with the, uh, all this uh, interest in the history of scholarship, ideology and uh, scholarship, uh, um, the past, colonial past of Italy, uh, um, and other uh, important issues. But uh, at the time was a little bit like a peripheral uh, work. No, I, I, I very much agree with you. I think there's a lot of progress that's been made on that front. And uh, there, there's a lot in Italy now that, that seems to be very much oriented to rethinking uh, some of these fields. So we... we touched on Dante and Islam, and you talked a little bit about the long history uh, of, of that question, going back to the early 20th century. Uh, you, you also situate this book as, as very much oriented towards the field of Mediterranean studies. And uh, that's something that has been, we might say, uh, you know, at the forefront of things uh, for uh, 
few decades now, at least, right, for about 30 years or so. Uh, and, and you begin this book with a thought experiment that begin that imagines two different books uh, by scholars with different but traditionally oriented ideas of the Mediterranean in relation to Dante. Uh, so talk about your approach a little bit. Uh, how does your approach move in a different direction from these hypothetical possibilities? And this is a book that is in part about a history of scholarship. And so what did you get out of this thought experiment and thinking about two different possibilities by scholars and intellectuals of a different formation than your own. Yes. So uh, in one, um, once you uh, had to explain uh, that your book is about Dante and, and the Mediterranean, I guess that m- many readers m- might uh, think of different venues that you could uh, um, uh, um, follow uh, and uh, uh, I wanted to address this kind of expectation. Like, uh, are you going to talk about uh, how the Mediterranean and its geography uh, is uh, described, dealt, dealt with in the comedy, in the commedia? Um, or are you going to talk about um, the Mediterranean pedigree of uh, the Commedia and its sources, like, you know, the big poems of the antiquity from Iliad, the Odyssey, or, uh, you know, and more recent, more more Islamic um, uh, poems, um, Islamic inspirations. Is is this, is it about uh, sources, literary sources? Um, and I wanted to say that, that that was not my main interest. So there could be a disappointment in, uh, in the reader <laughs> that was looking for that. Uh, even though at the same time, I, I, I would be uh, really interested in reading, and there are articles and, uh, and works uh, that uh, are um, showing uh, how the geography of the Mediterranean is uh, treated in the Commedia. And there is a lot of, of work, very important work in, in, in that specific area. My interest was more uh, theoretical, if you want. Uh, um, and uh, yes, uh, there, is, there are decades of uh, uh, debates in, in the Mediterranean studies field. Um, but I was uh, more particularly uh, uh, interested in uh, uh, confronting myself with uh, some questions that the, the work of uh, Horden and uh, Purcell uh, posed to, to literary scholars. There was, uh, the, the question was, well, let's say that the Mediterranean is not about, you know, uh, uh, the um, this sort of uh, uh, positive uh, uh, reconciliatory uh, um, um, geography, um, because all all of that has a as a heritage that is uh, basically colonial, and uh, there is a lot of Orientalism in that imagination of the Mediterranean as the land of olives, olive trees, and you know, uh, of uh, the sea and uh, the beauty. And, uh, and uh, I was interested in, uh, in, in, uh, in trying to uh, 
answer the question that they were positing. So what shall we do next? If, if uh, 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 talking about the Mediterranean in relation to a, a literary work is not talking about sources, uh, is not talking about the influences or the circulation of motifs or themes, is not about uh, reconstructing uh, connections uh, between a book uh, written in Baghdad and a book written in Spain. Uh, if it's not only that, what is the Mediterranean studies contribution to uh, the literary field uh, about? And uh, yes, yeah, so uh, I was uh, I tried to take uh, the the title of their book uh, series and it was the corrupting sea, and this notion of corruption that for me resonated with um, you know um, uh, awareness from anthropology like uh, we are never pure, we are always corrupted. Uh, subjects because we are in the middle of things and we cannot uh, try to um, kind of uh, cleanse ourselves from uh, the uh, the uh, the fact that we are operating in a, a, a corrupted world where, where there are many things and many contradictions. So I, I was interested in, I found that Dante is particularly uh, appropriate to this, to an approach uh, that uh, wants to recognize the ambiguity of um, cultural experiences and uh, and, and poetry, uh, um, um, because uh, um, as as I try to to show in the book, Dante, the, the Divine Comedy, um, portrays a Mediterranean that is a Mediterranean of corruption, is a Mediterranean of conflicts, is not an idyllic. Uh, see, and so that that was my uh, um, my approach to uh, to the Mediterranean studies field. Dante not as a prototype of reconciliation between uh, um, Christianity and Islam, which is a very very, very important um, a way uh, of approaching the Divine Comedy. And I'm, I'm I've been a very keen reader of you know uh, Asim Palacios and his uh, works on uh, Christianity and Islam. Um, I'm really interested in the connections between spiritualities and religions in the Mediterranean bas- uh, basin. But to me, uh, was more interested to uh, break in a, uh, um, the, this um, uh, tendency of literary studies to look for uh, conciliatory uh, images, uh, you know, uh, positive prototypes of and instead why not focusing on the the conflictual nature of cultures and and their uh, interactions and growing together oh that's great and and historically speaking of course there there's both right there are moments of conciliation and there are absolutely so many moments of conflict and i think you really emphasize that that ambiguity in wonderful ways in the book uh, so you 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 divide uh, sort of your book in half between 
a history of criticism and exercises in criticism. And those exercises range from Inferno 28, the encounter with Muhammad, uh, to 17th century drawings on prison walls in Palermo, uh, back to the medieval with con a connection between Dante's Vita Nuova and Ibn Hazm's Ring of the Dove. Uh, so I thought we might talk uh, a little bit about the prison walls, and uh, the book has has stunning images uh, in that particular chapter. Uh, what drew your attention to these drawings, and what do you think uh, this kind of reception offers us uh, in the vein of thinking about Dante and the Mediterranean uh, in, in new ways? But that's a great question, and... Uh, um... Um, I, I may start by uh, confessing uh, where the inspiration comes from. It comes from a, a book, a um, uh, essay collection uh, that was uh, edited by uh, Giovanna Fiume and uh, Mercedes Garcia Renal, um, I think in 2018. Uh, it was a wonderful collection of uh, essays on those uh, uh, graffitis. And uh, I had uh, the uh, the honor of uh, honor after reading that of being the blind reviewer of of some of those essays, and it, it was it, it was a great reading, and um, I gave uh, really positive uh, uh, feedback. I think on 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 those uh, readings. At the same time. Uh, while seeing these, in particular those two uh, images um, of the uh, uh, Hellmouth that were portrayed on 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 two uh, cells at the ground floor of the prison of the Inquisition in the 17th century uh, Palermo, so there were these Hellmouths with. Uh, um, references to the Divine Comedy and both visual uh, and textual. In particular, there is a reference to uh, the, 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 the Divine Comedy in, in one of the two in Sicilian, uh, in Sicilian vernacular. Um, and uh, I, I thought that uh, uh, as, a, as a literary scholar, if I may call myself th that way, um, I, uh, we could do uh, much more about those references to Dante in the prison because as I, I, I found... Uh, uh, by reading their essays, but then also by looking around the prison, what was outside the prison, uh, Dante is uh, uh, quoted several times in those prisons in indirect ways, in uh, um, octave, in uh, um, octaves, Sicilian octaves in, 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 uh, that were uh, written by uh, Prisoners on the walls of the prison at the ground floor, but also on the, the first floor of the prison. There was much more than that a literary scholar and a, someone interested in Dante could say about not only Dante, but the culture that uh, produced those uh, um, uh, those quotes that. Uh, um, so uh, 
I, I thought that uh, as a literary scholar, we, we, we are accustomed to work on texts and we have a way of working on them that is uh, paying attention to details, uh, pay attention to sources, pay attention to connections, uh, pay attention to the uh, paratexts, to what is there surrounding that text, uh, uh, to uh, the different uh, contribution of different hands to a, to a page or a manuscript, um, to 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 the text as a as a um, uh, you know uh, as a very meaningful uh, um, artifact. Um, and uh, what I think the those quotes. Um, from the Divine Comedy, and uh, the the poetry inspired by uh, Dante that we find in, in those cells uh, talk talk about is a very intricate uh, connection that, as I say in the book, uh, leaves uh, very few walls uh, uh, intact. For instance. When we read uh, when we read uh, uh, those quotes from the Divine Comedy in uh, uh, vernacular Sicilian, we might think that that is a um, you know uh, a um, popular uh, kind of uh, uh, uncultivated uh, appropriation of the comedy, but we 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 soon realize that in reality that is a, a very academic in the. Uh, 17th century sense of academias, no? so uh, places of uh, uh, gathering for uh, elites, uh, cultural elites and political elites, uh, religious elites in, in Italy and Europe at the time. So uh, Sicilian is not a language of the folk, it's a language of elites. And then uh, uh, we realize that uh, that images are working several hands that are sometimes even illiterate. Uh, so they learn uh, to write on that wall, on those walls. So, and another thing, uh, we have uh, people from very different backgrounds. Some of them are uh, converts. So Dante becomes a place of... Uh, a meeting place and with Dante um, we can connect for instance that prison to a ceremony or theater or drama, religious dramas, uh, performances that were going on outside of the prison and some of those artifacts perhaps were not created inside the prison but were in reality created in other places outside the prison and then uh, brought inside the prison. So all this uh, 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 kind of uh, um, uh, subversion, subversion of expectations that we find uh, if we start paying uh, uh, very deep attention to the details of these quotes from Dante and connecting them to what is outside of the prison. That, that was, for, uh, to me, very interesting. And if I may, I, yes, also, I think that, that this uh, um, need probably for literary studies to uh, operate in, uh, with an anthropological approach to texts. So, you know, so our texts are also... Uh, 
uh, to be understood uh, as an anthropologist would do. Absolutely. And I think that that chapter really uh, demonstrates the, the merit of that kind of interdisciplinary work. So, and, you know, it's really striking. I mean, of course, Sicily is, is so uh, ripe a place for that kind of of, of Mediterranean approach, that kind of cross-cultural emphasis, as well as uh, the uh, the way of thinking about these these various layers of uh, of culture that are accumulated uh, from from high uh, to the low, uh, and then it also brought to my mind uh, the 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 way in which Dante is, of course, very much taught in prisons uh, in the here and now, uh, and and that that too is something right. I mean, there's something about that text that. Uh, that, that really does uh, allow for this kind of connection to to imprisonment uh, in a historical sense as well as a contemporary one. Um, oh, definitely, there is a uh, uh, from from the very but that is a, about more in general poetry um, um, the, that has a re- religious inspiration, a religious and Christian um, metaphors often um, uh, refers to a life as a prison, uh, so that there is a, a congeniality of the divine comedy and of religious poetry to the experience of imprisonment. And uh, it's true, yeah. And there are uh, wonderful works. Um, now, as always, I, I cannot remember the name of uh, the, the this great colleague at Wesleyan and Yale that has been working on uh, on reading the Divine Comedy in the, in the prisons. And uh, I apologize for that. <laughs> Let me see if I will find it. Yes, no, and and Ron, uh, Ron is wonderful. Yes, uh, and he's he's an incredible work. Well, but so I I think there's also something to be said maybe about the way in which you read Inferno twenty eight, the encounter with Muhammad. So I mean, this is this is one of those encounters that, uh, of course, has uh, really struck readers across the centuries. Uh, and has been very difficult. Uh, I can speak from personal experience. It's always a very difficult encounter to teach in the classroom uh, because it's a, it's it's truly a, a terrible and gruesome punishment that uh, the prophet is subjected to. And Edward Said, whom you mentioned earlier, uh, really bristled at the treatment of Muhammad in Inferno and uh, talked about uh, talked about Dante as as symptomatic of the kind of Orientalism that. Uh, that he was really trying to uh, elucidate and and fight against. Uh, so, take us through a little bit of what you do with uh, this encounter and how you how you think about it uh, differently through your work. Yes. So, so, so yeah, as you said, that is the one of the uh, inevitable. Um, meeting points between Dante and Islam, if you want. So uh, scholars who try to uh, uh, discuss the connection, if not the supposed uh, sympathy of Dante for Islam, uh, find in that episode a a big... um, uh, a big problem. <laughs> no, um, 
So in, it's interesting, for, for instance, uh, the, the way Asim Palacios, uh, the author of Dante and Islam, tries to avoid a full reckoning with that episode, that it's difficult to, from any perspective, to say that there is a, some form of sympathy for Mohammed uh, Maometto M- M- in, uh, in uh, Dante's Canto. And yet, um, my interest was uh, to, given that uh, we are not looking for a uh, reconciliatory approach to uh, literary sources, but uh, probably we are not also, I'm not particularly interested also in kind of uh, punishing them or I'm not aiming at a purating, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the comedy from um, these forms of, uh, I wouldn't call it Orientalism because in my opinion, the Middle Ages offered kind of different dynamics uh, than those that were will, will be displayed, displayed in following centuries and in... Uh, in uh, in uh, in mature orientalism uh, but yeah so uh, what um, what uh, my interest was in discovering and highlighting how uh, especially in those places where the conflict seems to be more uh, uh, open and um, unreconcilable uh, I'm not sure if this is an English word, but so uh, there is where you you might find uh, um, connections. Uh, basically, the use of the same language, and there is where you find that uh, uh, authors from Islam and from uh, Latin Christendom. They are working basically with the same uh, codes, uh, cultural, religious codes. They are operating within the same uh, within the same uh, text, if you want. Um, they references are the same, and that it was demonstrated is demonstrated as it's it's not me who is. Uh, who talks about this uh, for the first time. Uh, there is a scholarship on this, that very interesting scholarship on this um, in the US and in Europe. Um, but um, it's interesting to verify that exactly in uh, um, negative uh, representations of the Prophet Muhammad, we have to recognize authentic Islamic sources operating. That is to say, these are not inventions uh, from Christian, um, you know, apologetic authors or from, you know, uh, uninformed uh, authors. Uh, These are based on uh, uh, reading of uh, original sources in, in Arabic, uh, there is a large a documented uh, awareness and uh, circulation of uh, Arabic sources in uh, Latin translation and later on even in uh, vernacular translations. 
sometimes they are even read directly in Arabic, like in Ricordo, uh, the Monte di Croce, or, you know, Mark of Toledo, an old school of uh, Spain, Spanish school of translators. So um, there is a lot of uh, awareness of original sources that are uh, kind of turned upside down and made negative. Um, so my interest in, is in noticing that where you find uh, uh, opposition is where in reality they are the same. It's a sort of uh, uh, doppelganger, if you want, no? So uh, a recognizing uh, the same in 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 the opposing uh, in in the opposing. Uh, textuality and even uh, that that is expressed in in, in an exceptional form by that uh, episode uh, of the life of uh, the prophet muhammad in uh, in the childhood you know that mystic mystical episode of the opening of his breast not the sharh al-sadr that uh, is uh, described uh, in um, popular and uh, in popular islamic uh, literature in ways that is that are very close to the way uh, Dante uh, portrays the same uh, episode, right? And and in that regard, it's very interesting to to think about how that could potentially be the uh, inspiration for not just Dante's treatment of Muhammad, but of that particular punishment for uh, the the crime, if we want to call it that, of of creating division. Uh, right, so thinking about the the connection between uh, the body, right, the body politic, the the religious body, and uh, and that act of of opening up, uh, I think is really is really fruitful. Yes, yeah, uh, I I mean also at that, at that point, uh, um, I I'm I'm interested not in. Uh, uh, to, uh, asserting that the important thing is the uh, the source, so I'm not looking for the Islamic source of that uh, episode, um, but instead I'm, I'm I'm also interested in questioning uh, our approach to um, these images in terms of sources, like a very positivistic approach, like if are we looking for the text that Dante read and copied. It would be interesting to approach all this discussion in, in a broader in broader ways, like uh, they, these are really interconnected uh, textualities. And it's not a, a surprise that a, an image that is so important in this Islamic um, spirituality not uh, the the orthodox Islamic spirituality uh, could uh, uh, be um, uh, so similar to an image that we find in the comedy because they are working with same materials, so to say. Right, that's great. So, uh, in thinking, you know, one of the one of the final chapters uh, is. Uh, exploring a possible comparison between Dante's Vita Nuova and the Ring of the Dove, uh, Muslim Spanish work, uh, and and this is really kind of an interesting way that you have of of emphasizing this 
working with the same material and yet coming to different results. Uh, so in that chapter, you think about the modern reader uh, and certainly I'm sure are, are drawing on your experience in the classroom. Uh, and uh, you think about what we as, as modern readers might relate to better or more readily. Uh, and what do you think that this approach tells us about different aspects of the late medieval period and about reading across uh, the Mediterranean as you do? In, in, in approaching the uh, Tauk al-Hamama by Ibn Hazm and the Vita Nova, which has not been the kind of the... the the may the the most the most uh, sought after connection between uh, Dante and the Islamic world. Um, uh, um, I was interested in reality uh, uh, the readership, contemporary readership uh, of so why at some point in the twentieth century uh, uh, the Taukal Hamama the uh, the, the dove's necklace, uh, this uh, treatise on on love, uh, autobiographical treatise on, on, on love by Ibn Hazm, uh, Andalus writer, theologian, becomes so interesting to uh, European scholars, uh, Euro-American scholars. And uh, uh, so uh, it, it's... Uh, it's it's for me uh, a, a way to uh, to again see how a text is always uh, wrapped into uh, the reception of it, and uh, it's difficult to read it uh, outside in a sort of a pure in vitro uh, um, controlled atmosphere. No, there is never the text. Uh, Outside its uh, the history of his its reception, and uh, it it was interesting to think that also expectations that we might have like Dante is uh, theoretically more closer uh, to me as a uh, someone who grew up in Italy. Uh, Dante is less closer to me, sorry, as someone who grew up in Italy than uh, Ibn Hazm. Uh, in terms of you know uh, the, the the approach to to uh, eroticism to gender and attraction to um, I find you, we might find uh, Ibn Hazm that is uh, a scholar from improperly saying medieval Islam no Andalusian Islam closer to uh, Roland Barthes, so to say, then is Dante, uh, the, in which we recognize uh, a very specific uh, evolution of our spirituality um, and of, you know, uh, Provencal poetry and becoming of it something else and uh, all the vernacular. So sometimes Ibn Hazm seemed to speak to us with the voice of a modern author. So it's interesting to think of these, these paradoxes. Absolutely. No, it's fascinating. Uh, so, you know, speaking of evolution, uh, tell us a little bit about what's next. What are you working on now, now that the book is, is uh, a year old uh, and 
what is it what is it that's coming next and how does it relate to to what you've done uh in this wonderful volume yeah it was i was thinking of a possible question of this kind and uh, um i would start by by saying a little bit comically that uh, dante is a little bit like uh, cigarettes for a smoker you always say this is the last one uh uh, but then you, you you go back to it, and I'm afraid uh, I, I will go back to it. And particularly, um, I'm I'm now trying to think the um, of the image of the tree of life in uh, the Commedia and some paradoxes that I find there. And, and, uh, and then there is also an interest that I I'm not sure I will be I will find the time to develop. That is uh, how the metaphor of book. Uh, poetical poetry book that is in the divine comedy uh, is appropriated and resonates in uh, in um, middle eastern poetry uh, particularly a group of poets that operated uh, after second world war in the sheer uh, magazine and but then there are bigger uh, projects that I have uh, on the horizon, and I hope to find the, the time and leisure to work more um, on them. And the one is uh, about uh, uh, Muslim and the Eucharist mm-hmm. in uh, medieval travel literature and uh, mm, short storytelling, novellas, um, and uh, and another one is a project on the the representation of Hagar and Ishmael as genealogical symbols of uh, the relationship between confessions in, in, in religious religious religions in the in the early modern period. Uh, Amazing. I, I think you've described uh, about 10 books worth of material in, in that. So we very much look forward to all that is to come. Andrea, thank you so very much for this. It was a real pleasure. Thank you to you for the patience.